Hey everyone, this is Ali Ciardo in the Photo Field Notes podcast, and my interview today is with Jackie Cole. She's a wedding photographer who does a lot of destination weddings, and so she's talking a lot about marketing herself and selling herself as a destination wedding photographer, but even if that's not something that you're really interested in, I think there's a lot of really good advice that you can take to your own local market, so it's still worth a listen. So before we jump in, I want to share with you a couple quick resources. If you go to photofieldnotes.com slash crash course, you can get access to my three-day crash course with all kinds of great tips about running a photography business and marketing, generating leads, turning them into paid clients. And also if you go to Photo Field Notes on Instagram and then you click my little link, my little bio link there, you'll have a bunch of freebies there. So I have a new one about how to, how I do my framing, how to actually do professional framing, what goes into that, what products I use. I have one on taking photos in high sun and there's a podcast episode associated with that. So go ahead and click over there for all kinds of freebies, great resources that you can start applying to your business. And now let's get into the interview with Jackie. Welcome to the Photo Field Notes podcast, where you'll find stories, tips, and inspiration from professional photographers to get you taking action in your own business and making your business dreams a reality. Hey, everybody, this is Ali Ciardo, and today I'm talking with Jackie Cole, who is a destination wedding photographer and gets to travel to all kinds of cool places, so she's going to tell us a little bit about that. But Jackie, before we get into all of these amazing destinations that you get to travel to, how did you just get started as a photographer and as a wedding photographer? Yeah, um, totally. So I think, you know, photography has always been a passion of mine. It's something I grew up with with my family. Um, And by saying that, it's very much point and shoot cameras. Um, It's not like my family, my dad was developing film in a dark room in our house. It's just that's how we kind of captured our memories as a family um, I never thought if you would ask me as a child or growing up that I could make a living pursuing photography. So it was a, a little bit of a crazy journey. But um, I went to university in England. It's where I'm from. I don't know if you can tell by the accent. <laughs> and uh, I actually studied history at university. So I have had no formal photography or fine art education at all in my background. Um, I studied abroad for a year at University of Illinois and I met my husband there so fast forward a couple more years and shortly after I graduated from my school in England I moved out to Chicago it was to be with my husband and we were young and I was happy to make this huge move in my (laughs) life Um, but honestly I think having that separation you know from what was our norm of London living and Um, I didn't have the expectation to pursue a job that was tailored to my degree. Um, I very much had moved continents and started completely fresh. So it gave me the space to really consider what I wanted to do with my future. And I think, honestly, we were sitting down at dinner one time and my brother-in-law, you know, you're fresh out of college. People are asking you that question over and over again. What do you want to do? What are you going to do with your life? And Uh, all I would answer was I just know what I don't want to do I know I don't want to sit at a nine-to-five job at a desk and my brother-in-law just went well why don't you do photography you love it so much and I think my answer was honestly no no no. I want to make money still I just (laughs) don't want to do a nine-to-five job um but uh from that point on he kind of got into my head and I was thinking well maybe I could do photography maybe I can use because I was always very artistic I I painted and like I said, like my family loved photography. Um, 
so I kind of started looking into that a little bit more. And I think you hear a lot of people who did photography as a um, in school or had some type of education in it and fell into shooting weddings, whether it be, you know, a friend asking them to shoot their wedding and it's spurred from there. Um, I think my path was very much more intentional. So I looked into what types of careers you can use with photography. Weddings jumped out to me. I had um, a contact through University of Illinois who was a wedding photographer in Chicago at the time, reached out to him started assisting on weddings with him so just carrying gear you know it was in Chicago so you know you have your Ugg boots on trenching through the snow picking up yeah that's exactly how I got started like literally your story got started as an assistant for a photographer in Chicago trenching through like everything no way (laughs) so definitely it was it was pretty brutal and it threw me in at the deep end for sure I'm sure you realize that too and I think after a few weddings with him, he was like, you know, if you're sticking this out, you're you're probably good to look into this as a career. Um, but he he really helped that year. That was 2010, and um, I would assist him on weddings. He was a speaker at WPPI, so I flew and was his assistant through throughout that. So I kind of got a first-hand glimpse into what it was like to be a really successful wedding photographer. So seeing the people he was around and, and their jobs and their lifestyles. And I was like, you know what? I think I can do this. I think I can do this and maybe I could do it better or maybe I could just do it in a slightly different way. And so I definitely did a lot of workshops and things that year and got a lot of knowledge in digital photography at that time. And just the business side of, of running weddings and seeing the back end through this photographer and those lessons were super, super invaluable. Now I look back, I think at the time you kind of go with the flow. And I think seeing those successful people firsthand was was really key because I just looked at them and I thought, I want to be there. I want to be there now and I need to find the fastest route to get there. Yeah, it, this is this is so funny. I relate in every way. And literally, 2010 was the same year that I was assisting a successful photographer in Chicago. So we oh, were wow. like, probably the same weekends running parallel lives doing these things. <laughs> I bet we were exhausted, feet hurting, not sure why we were right? going into fun. this <laughs> So how did you from there, you know, you're working, you're learning, how did you make that leap into, did you keep working for this photographer and then also start doing your own? Or what did that transition look like for you no I think the transition was very much so our paths kind of took separate ways towards the end of 2010 and in 2011 I booked my first few weddings myself now I it's not like I was charging 500 bucks I already knew um I needed to set my pricing at a certain level to start this as my job um I was, I mean, think I was on the side of all of this, I was bartending and waitressing. I was working all the time just to, um, you know, get your next camera and your next lens and pay the bills and just make ends meet. So there was a lot of moving parts to that. But um, 2010 was booking a couple of weddings and like 2011 of my own weddings. And that was all in Chicago. So I was probably second shooting a little bit more for, friends and a lot of different people at that time and just to get experience and back then it was portfolio as well as making sure you got the images to showcase um 
and uh, just kind of working wherever and however I could at anything. So, and I was doing family shoots and senior shoots and um, baby parties and bar mitzvahs and you name it, I was there. So anybody wanted something to do with photography, I was there and I would shoot it and I would charge pretty, like a pretty good entry level, I would say. Um, and I think it kind of spurred from there. I got into a good group of friends within the Chicago area um, who are all pretty new to their business, Not maybe not new to photography, but definitely new to owning their business. And that was really helpful and pretty inspirational and would help each other um, kind of keep going and pursuing this crazy dream. And um, by 2012, I had a solid number of weddings on the books and it, they were all in the Chicago area um, and you know 2012 2013 was busy years and uh, by 2014 I was full-time. So you were doing bartending and everything else that whole time up until 2014 just to make it all work right? Oh yeah yeah no I was bartending and waitressing and um, Wrigley Field, my first job was handing out old style beers um, during the Cubs game. So I was everywhere. I'm definitely not shy to to hard work. So I think even though I had a college degree, I didn't want to start doing a nine to five job that would take away from this new business I was creating. And I was pretty sure I was going to make it work. I just needed a little bit more time and a little bit more funding. Um to start it so yeah I was I was working until 5 a.m some nights come back and the next day shoot a wedding oh my gosh well I think that's important to share because I think there are going to be listeners out there right now listening to this who are going through that struggle and they're thinking is this ever going to work am I ever going to get out of this like doing two things and maybe it's something where you know they'll always have some kind of side thing but I think that it's key to just understand that you didn't do it overnight. You weren't just like, boom, I'm going to do it. Ta-da! Because we hear so many of those, you know, we think we're hearing those stories, but there's a lot more to it. Okay, so Very you, true. so yeah. you built a slow build in Chicago. And how did you get into destination weddings from there? Okay, good question. So, I mean, what I'm going to say is that destination weddings did happen quite organically for me. But through that happening, there are tips that looking back, I can um, kind of advise on what to do should people want to get into destination weddings. But for me, the actual move to destination weddings happened when um, mid end of 2013, my husband and I picked up and moved. We made a pretty rash decision to move to Florida <laughs> and um, it was very quick. I didn't tell anybody business-wise in Chicago that I was moving because I didn't have a market in Florida yet. I needed my Chicago market to keep going. And bear in mind, I, I'd literally just gone full-time. So it was a huge move for us. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> not very well planned, should I look back. and uh, But it worked out in the end. So we moved 2013 to Florida and between 2013 to 2015, half of my weddings were travel. So all of a sudden, Chicago became the destination and Florida was now the home. So I think in doing a huge chunk of these weddings in Chicago and flying back and forth, a lot of brides, a lot of planners started to assume I was a destination photographer. A lot of venues and planners started to 
trust that I could manage destination weddings. Um, so within those years, it kind of organically happened that I started booking new destinations as well. Oh, that's so interesting. So you were getting those as like a referral from a planner or from just people were talking about, oh, yeah, she travels, Jackie will get on a plane and go, you know, she's coming here, so she'll go anywhere. Exactly. And I think as well as being so I was also in Florida. So I'm booking. Now I'm starting to book at my home base and I'm networking so much in like the Florida area. I'm trying to book at home and all those people in Florida seeing that I'm traveling to Chicago all the time. So it's like, oh, she flies for weddings. She's a destination photographer. Um, now, don't get me wrong. Like the first weddings I was booking outside of Chicago aren't some amazing destinations. I think my first destination was New Jersey. I had Macon, Georgia. We had a couple in Wisconsin. Um, we were flying to Dallas. Like, so these aren't super luxurious tropical locations, but um, they they definitely helped just branch the name to like a national based name versus just Chicago or just Florida. Yeah. Okay. So what area of Florida are you in? I live in Tampa. Okay. Which is for some people a destination to go there. So in terms of just pricing for destinations, so yeah, and understanding that destination wedding does not necessarily mean that you're going to be somewhere tropical or you're going to be like, you know, on some island somewhere. Just from a like a logistical standpoint, because obviously you still want this to be your full-time business, you still need to make a profit and travel obviously adds to that cost. So how are you managing that when it comes to booking these weddings where you do have to pay for getting on a plane, you do have to pay for a hotel? A, how are you pricing that just generally? And then B, um, when you're actually traveling somewhere, are you booking the hotel yourself or are you just kind of letting them put you wherever? <laughs> how does that, what does that look like? Right, there's definitely been a lot of trial and error in this, and I've got it down to um, a really good method right now. So I'd really love for everybody else to avoid the mistakes I made for sure. <laughs> I mean, after those localized um, destinations, the, it started to expand, and that's when I had to kind of take a hold on it. So it wasn't a $250 return flight. I was flying to Mexico, Tahoe, um, back and forth to New York a lot um we went to Italy and I have one in London so it's like managing those kinds of destinations where you know if you're flying to Mexico you can't stay in a 150 hotel for a night it's an all-inclusive kind of situation with the couple so um at the beginning I'll tell you what I wouldn't do is at the beginning I was I'm thinking as some some stages I was letting the couple book for me. Terrible idea. Never do that. <laughs> so they would, were they just putting you in like the cheapest, whatever it was? And Right. That's like 10 miles away from the venue. Oh, and I'm no. like, this is ridiculous. So um, never, ever do that. But I was also at the beginning, I had my standard pricing and then I was just adding travel on top of it. Well, very quickly, I realized it doesn't compensate. So it really, you really have to look at your lifestyle and what, um, what you're giving up to travel for the weekend. So for me, it could be, I was giving up a lot because my husband travels over 30 weeks of the year. So if I was away for a weekend, that was a big deal. And if he was home, we really needed to make it financially um, it needs it needs to be worth it honestly and then when you add up everything it 
goes above what you would just be charging the couple. So if you take the time away from your family, the food you're eating, rentals like cars, um, your second shooter's expenses too. Like I, I often pay a lot more for my second shooter than I would if we were shooting a local wedding at home. Um, obviously, all your airport expenses. So you bring your second photographer yeah. with you versus, okay, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Not at the beginning. I would, at the beginning, I was seeking out local second photographers, but now that I've got my pricing to a point um, that it includes everything. So that, that takes me to the point where I now just have set destination pricing and I have set local pricing and they are two completely different things. And if I have a destination client, they get my destination pricing and it's all included. So, you know, some, I might luck out where the wedding is slightly cheaper because it's in a, uh, you know, not as expensive city. Um, But either way, it's the same price for them. And I book everything. So I book the flight, the hotel, everything, and they never see an invoice for any of that. Okay. So would a destination wedding in London cost the same as a destination wedding in Idaho? Right. No. So so that's where I would suggest, what I would initially suggest people to do is these two separate pricing. So the client actually doesn't really know. You just say travel is all included. And now make sure that's a price that's worth it to you. I mean, for me, it's it's a lot more than my local weddings and it's a lot more than what just the travel is is added onto that so you need to make sure it's worth it and for me at this point all of my couples are getting custom proposals so I'm really at a stage where every wedding that I'm booking is really really different and they all want something different so I could have a Palm Beach wedding that needs four days worth of coverage and my collections that I would send you know ABC just aren't going to cut it so I'm always sending custom proposals so the London wedding would get a custom proposal and I would have to add on quite a lot just for the added days of travel and the flight would be a little more but that's really not where the where the value is it's the time away yeah. And then also side note, this just made me think of in terms of if people are traveling. So I've done a, just a small amount of destination weddings and I have young kids, so I don't really have a lot of interest in a lot of them, but I know they're really exactly. fun when you can. But I did one of my first destination weddings. I just charged the travel bit was just basically a pass through, like whatever I paid for, I would then charge the couple. And then we ran into a situation where on the way back, my friend came in as a second photographer from another state and we met in, it was in New Orleans. And on the way back, her flight, actually, I think it got canceled. And so she ended up having to get a night in a hotel, which I think was not covered by the airline. So it was an extra night of a hotel and like extra food and all this stuff that I hadn't really worked into my contract. And so I ended up just eating that cost. And so I think it is smart to build in, even if obviously, A, like you're putting a lot more time into that wedding because you are taking that entire weekend or more away from your family time. So you need, you should be compensated for that. And then also, even if you're starting out, you're trying to keep costs low, like at least understand that flights can get canceled, things can happen, and you have to have a contingency plan for that because I got kind of burned on that one, not knowing what to do, like just not knowing, you know, having never experienced it before. And there's so many other things that are unknown, you know, added travel, like bag fees and at the airport or um, taxes. If you're flying into Mexico um, 
for Italy and they pull your camera bag aside and they say, why do you have all these cameras? Oh, I'm working here. We need to charge you tax on that. So just be prepared for all these additional costs that you can't bill to your couple for things like that. So, yes. And just legally, I know there are a lot of issues in terms of like working because you're working if you're outside of the country. So last question, where are people currently, where are they finding you? Are there specific wedding planners? Are they finding you online, on Instagram? What's your kind of main marketing outlet since you can't, well, you can't, I mean, I'm sure you're marketing in your local area in Tampa, but what are you doing that's drawing people into you who are just kind of in all of these random places? If listeners are shooting just a couple of destination weddings at the moment, like one or two, and they're... They're not those exciting locations. I think start there initially and connect with that venue you're shooting, connect with the planner, or if there's no planner, the bride and the bride's friends and um, make sure you're publishing that wedding. Wherever it is, get it published somewhere. Um, Make sure the people that you're working with there just feel like or know that you're so honored to be there in their market because you're kind of crashing another photographer's market. You're crashing into this unknown and they need to gain this trust with you um and really that's the ground level that really helped and follow up with those venue coordinators and make sure they know that your wedding's being published and just keep in contact is really important because you can advertise as much as you want and instagram every day but that's not where i'm getting any of my any of my weddings I, i think i have advertised in the past and i'm putting that money into different sources at the moment so networking for me is key and it can start at home as well so people start to realize you're a destination photographer they'll hear of their friend getting married or someone like a bride one of their bride's clients who friends who are getting married but they can't shoot the wedding they'll call you because you are the destination photographer in florida or in your hometown then outside of that i network a lot and that's it's really important to um, put yourself in situations where you're surrounded by people, like-minded people. Um, and you have to gain their trust because, you know, if I'm talking to a Dallas planner, they need to find a reason. Why, why are they going to hire me? Why are they going to pitch me as a photographer versus the photographers they've worked with in the Dallas area for the past 10 years? Do you really need to connect with them on a personal level and, and really gain their trust and prove to them their wedding is your highest priority, basically, that you will treat their clients so well. And then after the fact, make sure that that wedding is seen everywhere. <laughs> so wherever that wedding is, it's um, all over your social media ch- channels and people start to see, oh, wow, she's definitely just not based in or he's definitely just not based in that hometown. Um I think, you know, advertising can be helpful. Um, Publishing is amazing. Getting your work published and networking, just connecting with people, connecting with the venues, with the photographers in an area. Take a trip, like a weekend trip to your, wherever your destination is you want to shoot and make sure you're there. Make sure you're photographing people and you're taking people out for lunch. Always pay for their meals. Always, always pay for their lunch and just, make sure you're meeting these people on a one-on-one level is is definitely where um, I would say the destination works 
kind of took off for me. Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned relationships and how important that is because I do think people, of course, get very caught up in social media. And I know a lot of people get a lot of weddings that way, but I'm the same. You know, a lot of mine come from those relationships. And yes, obviously you have to work that much harder to add that much more value because you have maybe the higher cost of travel and the fact that you're not there necessarily to meet them in person until you get there. So maybe that is one last question in terms of just making that connection with the couple, because maybe they're in another city and you have to just meet them on the phone or you can't meet them in person. Are, is there anything that you do to make sure that you are building that really strong relationship, even though you can't be there in person to meet them before the wedding? Yeah, that's a great question. So I m- meet, or I would say 98% of my couples, I never meet before either their engagement session or wedding. So I'm always talking to couples over the phone. During that conversation, oftentimes they don't know where I'm based. Um, that doesn't really come up in our conversation. We're definitely talking more about their day and their wedding um, and where they are as a couple. A lot of my engagement sessions are also destinations. So we're talking about where we're going to meet for the first time, whether that's Miami, New York, Chicago, and then where their wedding is. Oftentimes, these couples, that, like I said, have found me through a past bride, a planner, a venue, so they already have this level of trust there. That's the ground level. If you don't have that, it's finding something you can connect with with them and making sure you're listening to them. So my, my I think my biggest thing on the phone is I don't talk about myself. And this is, I, I'd say a lot of business coaches say this is the wrong thing to do, um, but it's worked for me and I'm, I'm sticking to it. A lot of <laughs> business coaches will tell you to tell you what sets you apart first before you start listening to them so that there's something unique that they're hearing, but I definitely want to hear more about them. And then you can play off of that. So if they're soft and romantic, we'll go with that. If they're super adventurous and quirky, I'm, I'm super adventurous and quirky. I'm right there with you. Like I, I'm not going to pitch what I am first. I'm going to hear them. And that's what I'm going to be. Cause I'm very, I, I, I can be everything. <laughs> and um, I think it's perfect. Well, it's exactly, you know, you're saying that business coaches might say you should tell them how you're different, but maybe that is how you're different. Maybe if they, and probably they're only talking to you because they've been referred and they're like, you have to talk to Jackie. She's the one. But if they have talked to other photographers and the other photographers like, this is why I'm great, blah, blah, blah. And then they come to you and you're interested in them. That's so powerful for them to be like, wow, I really liked her. I just felt like, you know, I just feel like people connect more when they get a chance to talk about themselves and tell their story and get excited about all of those things. And then, yeah, you can build them a custom experience that's, it's built around who they are as people instead of your, it's instead of being about you, all about you. Exactly. And, and don't get me wrong. Like I'm definitely would advise to circle it back around to you and why you're different and what you can bring to the table that no other photographer can um but the first 15 minutes is hearing about them and what's different about them um and hopefully building a level of trust so when I send them galleries it depends where their wedding is I'll always send four galleries and show examples of different lighting situations and destinations so you know, if I haven't shot their venue or location before, I'm like, here's four other venues. Here's Lake Como, Lake Tahoe, um, a dark church ceremony in Chicago and something from Texas. Like, there's doesn't matter where I am. This is the style of photography you're going to get. 
and kind of building a trust that way once you get that portfolio. But I think as soon as they talk to you and hear you, they'll they'll develop a trust level. And I definitely make sure they know that my time is valuable. That's another thing. So I'm not at their beck and call. No, I can't. I probably can't meet for a coffee or fly to somewhere just to see you before you've booked me. If you want to pay the deposit, then we can go from there. But you, your time is so valuable. And I think there's this, because we're all creatives and we're all self-employed and we don't necessarily know where the next paycheck is coming from. We put this level of control within our clients, but you just need to get it back yourself. And once they realize that you're not super attainable and they would be lucky if they had you, that the the roles are kind of flipped. And I think that's really, really important. And it's the same thing, you know, when we go to a a store and we want that bag that we've never been able to get, they set it to a a standard where you want it even more (laughs) because you can't quite get it. So how do you portray that kind of that scarcity or that the fact that you are, your time is valuable? How do you portray that to them without just straight up being like, well, listen, (laughs) I can't be there for everything. (laughs) Right. Right. I think um, just setting that, that, you know, making sure they know, I always tell my clients without you, there isn't my business. So you are my number one because, I can't do what I'm doing without you. So definitely making sure they do feel special. But at the same time, being like, there is there is a reason I'm at the level I'm at. And there's only so much time I can give you. You don't have to say that explicitly. But what I have now as an assistant who does respond to my emails, they're the first point of contact for my couple. So if I get an inquiry, my assistant replies, Jackie's available times are X, Y, Z to talk. Um, now, if you don't have that, you can pretend you do. Like there is <laughs> nothing wrong with saying, um, pretending you are the assistant and it just creates a separation between you both. Um, it's like, oh, I can't directly email her and she responds straight away like the other 15 photographers I've spoken to. That's interesting. Um, that's just an idea that, um, I think it's really just in the way you communicate with them. I have heard of other people doing that, like having the assistant who's very responsive, but putting a little separation. So yeah, it's maybe an experiment with trying. Um, well, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> do you have any just final thoughts or words of wisdom or like a book or a resource or something that you've really li- loved that you want to leave listeners with as a final parting thought? Right. I think I think ultimately there is no there's no way to become a destination photographer there's no um steps that I can just give to make it super easy but I think if you put it out there and you're really intentional with how you're spending your time and your money and your resources that and just a lot a lot of hard work a lot of hustle a lot of trial and error and being let down but coming back again you can you can definitely definitely make it work and people can always reach out to me um and just ask me questions I'm I'm definitely an open book in that way if there's a specific question I didn't help with I'm more than happy to perfect well so yeah where can people find you online um so my instagram is jackie cole it's pretty simple and then my website is jackiecole.com um so definitely those are probably my two main points of contact my email is Jackie at JackieCole.com. 
um, and just feel free to reach out at any point. Perfect. And I'm going to spell it for people because I know you can spell, I think you can spell Jackie a few different ways. It's J-A-C-Q-U-I and then Cole is C-O-L-E. So you can find her there. I'll also put those links in the show notes at photofieldnotes.com. So everybody can find it there. Awesome. Jackie, well, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story. I know it's inspirational for me. It's definitely going to be inspirational for other people. And I bet you're going to hear from people because I'm sure they're going to have questions. So thank you. Thank you so much, Abby. Thanks for listening. Check out show notes at photofieldnotes.com. And if you loved this episode, leave your review on iTunes. See you next week.